everyone, I'm Holly Noon and welcome to So Please Understand. And if you're new to my channel, hit that subscribe button below, like and comment on this video. So today's topic, I'm going to be sharing my experience being raised by a white father, although I am black and Filipino. So just a little backstory, my biological father is African-American and my biological mother is Filipino. And I, myself, was born in the Philippines. Um, I wasn't there for very long. I was born on Clark Air Base. And to take it back even further, before I was born, um, basically, my mom was pregnant, and she didn't know who my biological father was. She happened to meet my white dad, um, for all intents and purposes of this video. Um, he's like just dad to me, adopted dad, um, but he's dad. So he was... He met my mom. They got married literally like a few days before I was born. Um, he was there with my mom for most of her pregnancy. Um, I think from the time I was about like, she was only like two, three months pregnant with me. So he was there for all of her pregnancy. Um, and they got married a few days before I was born. And I, yeah, I just, I took my white dad's last name and, you know, and he was married to my mom. And so that is why I am Holly Noon. <laughs> so I so there is a video on my channel called I Found My Biological Father. So I do actually know my biological father's full name. Um, so I am actually aware what my last name would have been had um, my mom and biological father would have worked out. But nonetheless, I'm Holly Noon. And so as I proceed through life, <laughs> my dad is white and my mom is Filipino. But I am black and Filipino or Blasian as I label myself on Instagram. So my experience, I will say, is quite unique because I am a millennial. I was born in uh, 1989, so late 80s. Um, so I was coming up in the early 90s through elementary school. So you didn't really see where I grew up, a lot of biracial children. Um, so to say, to even see a white man raising a <laughs> black child, that was pretty, that, that stood out. Um, so I'll say this, I never, I never felt like awkward that I didn't know who my real dad was. I never felt like I was missing something by not knowing who my black dad was. But I'll say this, I did feel a sense of, you know, I think a lot, a lot of biracial people can relate to this kind of like, okay, do I pick a side? Um, am I more, in my case, am I more Asian or am I more black? Um, and then growing up with my white dad and white family and just being in a lot of, I always define them as white, there's a lot of spaces are white spaces, but <laughs> you know, his friends are, his coworkers are white, his friends are white. Um, and then the area we were in was predominantly white. So yeah, for me, it was quite interesting, but I, I don't know. I didn't necessarily feel like out of place. So, um, yeah, I mean, everyone very much was like supportive of me and proud of me. And, uh, yeah, I didn't necessarily feel like, like a token or, you know, um, like not accepted in that space. They knew I was 
John Noon's daughter. And if you said anything, he would definitely let you know. <laughs> okay. Um, but nonetheless, as I went through school, um, I was like the only black student in many of my classes. And, uh, but I did well in school. Uh, so, that, so me necessarily struggling, I, but I was always the only black student and I happened to do well, not even just among my black peers, but among all the peers in my class. So um, definitely was a standout student growing up in school, standout athlete. Um, but I will say this, it wasn't until I got into junior high and I went to a junior high school that was, wow, it was really diverse, like really diverse. Um, I had never been around so many black people, Hispanic people. Like it was, it was really cool. Like I, I had never, like I ran track in elementary school, like the once a year track meet. And I was like the only black person representing the school, not only just in the sprinting events, but also <laughs> in the long distance. Um, but I really like check. So, but I mean, it, there was no black kids at the school I went to. So <laughs> I was the sprinting, I was the sprint team, the one person. <laughs> but anyways, it wasn't until I got to junior high school that I will say I did become more curious about identifying, like kind of figuring out my identity in terms of, am I black? Am I Filipino? Where am I drawn? Because at that point, almost my friends had been white. Like my best friends were white. And my dude, I had classmates that were black, but because I was in advanced courses growing up, um, I was always the only one. So <laughs> most of my peers were, were white. So it was just very, I want to say lonely, but it was just more or less like I was very well aware that I was the only one. And then it wasn't until my teachers met my dad. I mean, they always had to look like, oh, your dad's black. But <laughs> no one's going to like question and ha like ask those questions. Like, why are you? And maybe a lot of people, I don't know, I think maybe assumed I was just white and Filipino, but couldn't figure out like how I was like darker than my mom. So I, maybe they just didn't like, go that deep into it. <laughs> why my hair was curly and my mom's wasn't. Because and because my dad's hair is straight, my mom's hair is straight, so I don't know if they actually made the connection. Um, and maybe it crossed their mind, but they're they're not they're not going to ask, right? One to not necessarily one, they're not going to ask probably to make a child feel uncomfortable about it. And then two, it's like, hey, so you're one daughter's this, like, what's the story? You know that that wasn't happening. Um, but in junior high, what's so interesting is my friends would ask my dad, are you Holly's dad? I mean, because you're white. <laughs> and it's really funny because um, other black parents would ask my dad, you know, are you her dad? And then it wasn't until I did sports that would say like, like a predominantly white sport, like soccer. And then my dad would pick me up and then people would be like, that's white. And I'll kid, I kid you not, probably all through junior high, people had that puzzled look, but never asked even myself, like never ask me like, Hey, what's the story here? Your dad's white. And I think it's because I know I, the term gets thrown around, like you, you look ambiguous. So people aren't sure if maybe I was just white and Filipino and this is just what that looks like. And so they didn't even think to question. It wasn't until probably eighth grade. So my last year, junior high, that 
this black boy, he asked me, he's like, uh, are you, are you black? And, are you black? Are you like mixed black? I think he's like black and Mexican. He's like, are you Blexican or black and Spanish? Are you Dominican? And, you know, it was the first time that actually someone asked me that. And I, you know, I never really had to answer the question. Of course, I was like, no, I'm black and Filipino. And they're like, oh, and then that's when, and then like spread on the team, like, oh, Holly's half black. And then like, oh, that's why she's fat. <laughs> you know, we won't get into that stereotype. But <laughs> it, it it definitely raised the question. Then people realize like, oh, she's black. But then they started asking, oh, your dad's white. And mind you, my dad, like, we didn't really have conversations about race. Now, I did ask my dad when I was eight, like, why am I a different color from him? And he was very much like, hey, I'm not your biological dad. Your biological dad uh, is is presumed to be black. And, you know, he's like, I love you just the same. And I'm just like, oh, he's like, okay. And like walked away. And mind you, I, I tell the same story in the how I found my biological dad video. So definitely check that out. <laughs> um, as I tell that story about finding my biological dad. But yeah, going back to as when people actually started asking me and realizing, oh, okay, I was black. And then when I um, was in junior high, I was a really good sprinter. Like I set, I set a lot of county records. Um, so like a lot of parents from different schools knew me and knew who my dad was. Cause my dad used to, he used to volunteer <laughs> at the track meets, um, back in the day, you know, we didn't go to the, we didn't have them, fa- we didn't have the fancy tracks where like, the, like the track had the timers kind of built in and track, you know, to, you know, we had the parents like on the sideline with the stopwatches. <laughs> so my dad used to do that, do the stopwatches. He couldn't do my lane, but he used to do it and he'd tell me and then I'd get ready for the critique <laughs> even if I won first place so yeah so but it wasn't until I got into track where there was it was just a bit more diversity um when people actually started asking me questions and even asking my dad questions like oh you're her dad and then my dad would explain that oh you know I'm not her biological dad but he'd be like I'm very much her dad and it actually became well known like where I went to school um that everyone knew my dad was white like it was like kind of a known like a like a not an oddity but just people because of how how I performed and I did well people just were like oh her dad's white you know and this is kind of how it became known and then it wasn't until high school that really that identity and feeling like you had to pick a side like are you black are you Filipino are you white? And this is kind of, I'll say this, like going into high school, I did lose, um, you know, a lot of my white friends and then kind of really honed in on my black identity and being black and never to say I wasn't proud. I mean, we, like I said, I have a white dad. What's his reason to talk about it? It's never, he denied it. If I asked him questions, you know, he would be glad to like look things up with me if I had questions, but there were no conversations about slavery and, racism, prejudice, discrimination, there were those conversations were not happening. So this is me having to figure it out um, for myself and kind of as these social constructs form in your youth, me really figuring out my identity and who I am and how I define myself, that's all taking place. So um, in high school, you know, I lost some white friends, definitely connected I guess we could say connected with my black side. I had a lot of black friends. Um, But again, though, I still, because I was a really good student, 
Um, and there really wasn't many black students in like the honors, AP, advanced, honors and AP classes. I say advanced, but honors, AP and dual enrollment. So there's maybe five of us and they had to like split us up because we all can't be in the same class now. You know, you got to have the diversity. <laughs> One of us in each of the classes. So through this experience, yeah. Um, so I still was going to class with white people, with white students, but I definitely felt more empowered to speak about issues related to racism, prejudice, bias, discrimination, stereotyping. All my papers in high school were centered. If we ever could like kind of freeform a topic or what is the theme of this book? And I would always try to tie it into like social injustice and, and, you know, group think and how things were wrong and, you know, um, human rights and um, equality. And so I would just tie that all in. So um, even if I was only black student in my like say AP lit class, definitely um, holding it down for my people. <laughs> I guess that's the best way <laughs> I would think about it. But either way, um, like, but it was really cool because, um, you know, uh, while I was in high school, I mean, I was the first for, um, several things. Like I was the first freshman class president, the black one, first black freshman class president. I was the first, uh, black student to be on student council. I was the vice president of that. Um, I was the first, um, girl of color because there had not been any minorities in our high school's beauty pageant to place in the top five. And so after I was the first, uh, minority to place in the top five mind you this pageant had been running for three years so in the third year that the pageant was running I placed in the top five and I was the only minority to do that up until that point and then after that I mean hey there was black girls and Asian girls and in the top five every year there's just different minorities in the top five every year after I had um placed so I have no no problem like breaking doors breaking, you know, breaking those, being the first, that is not an issue for me. And I have, I'm so proud to be black and Asian. Okay. So proud to be a woman of color. Um, but yeah, I think in high school, I think it really started, I really started to see like the identity and like, okay, the colorism and okay. I'm also hearing, okay, you're not black enough, but I'm, I'll tell you at the end of the day, like I, when I left high school, I mean, I really felt like, I realized like being very, very, being very connected to my blackness. And so um, it, it, through all of that, I mean, even experiencing the microaggressions, being the only person of color in my AP and advanced placement classes, like literally, okay, this is, and this story drives me nuts to this day only because it's really funny. So it you know, when you talk about like the microaggressions and like, and why this, why this, why, why I still think about this story, because it's just like, you know, like, oh, we all look alike. Why do white people always confuse us? Because let me tell you, I was in this chemistry honors class and my teacher kept calling me Vicky. Okay. Now this is March. School ends in May. Okay. March. School ends in May. This lady is still calling me the other black girl's name in this chemistry class. There is, so there's four black students in this chemistry honors class. 
two black males and two black females. Vicky is actually lighter than me and had the short Halle Berry haircut. Okay. Myself, this hair, obviously it was black because you know, I wasn't coloring it back then, was down, curly, as you probably have seen in my other videos, long, curly black hair. She would call me Vicky, but she would call Vicky Vicky. And, she, and mind you, Vicky would miss a lot of school towards the end of the year. And I'm sitting here like, and she would actually look at me and call me Vicky, and I would just look at her. And it's so funny because my my homeboy <laughs> that he'd be like looking down because she'd be like Vicky, Vicky, and I would just ignore her because I'm like it is March and you are still calling me by the wrong name. That's that's not that's not cool. And um, yeah, I would just like let her keep calling me Vicky, and I would ignore her because I'm like. I look nothing like Vicky because I don't have no short Halle Berry haircut. Never had my hair that short. And um, yes, <laughs> she really, she tried it. And uh, yeah, I just ignored her. And event, finally I go, my name is not Vicky, it's Holly. And I tell you the class got, it was so awkward in that class. And I remember telling my dad, he was just like, do you need me to go up to the school talk to them, you know, explain to them how that's disrespectful and da da, da And I was just like, no, nah, don't let it go. I was like, I got it handled. Because <laughs> I was just going to keep ignoring her because my name is not Vicky. So anyways, but that's why I remembered it because it was just really funny to me how she could remember everybody else's name, every white person's name in the class. But she couldn't remember mine. And it was almost the end of school year. So yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, but yeah, I will say by the time... After having gone through some of those experiences, um, like even having like white kids at, like particularly when I was in student council, I, I had won that election fair and square. And I remember this white boy asked, he's like, do you mind if we do a runoff? Because basically his friend who became the president wanted him to run and be his vice president. And basically the teacher was like, you need to go ask Holly if it's okay, if she'll do a runoff. And I was like, no, so I'm going to take this. <laughs> and I'm going to be the vice president of student council. Um, mind you, they, they didn't participate at all. And um, me and that teacher were really cool. But uh, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, they don't, it, it doesn't, I have no problem. Even if my dad, so let me make this clear. I had no problem still being proud to be black and you know, standing up for what's right, even if my dad is white. Honestly, my dad always taught me to do what was right in any situation. And I'll tell you this, my dad will back me up in 100% of the situations that I'm in because he knows my integrity and who I am as a person. So if I say someone's being racist to me, my dad will be right there behind me to support me uh, in, in any of those situations to back me up, okay? Because he knows I will not say anything to anybody unless it's really a problem. So that being said, when I left, um, prepared to go to college, you know, I really made a point like I'm going to take all these, I'm going to just really get into history, African history, African American history, and really try to understand more in depth, you know, beyond what I had learned in high school, you know, about slavery, civil war, um, Jim Crow, civil rights, but go into just a more in depth because then I would have access to professors who taught the subject matter for decades and to really tap into it, which I did. So I made some really great 
um, connections with some uh, professors who taught African and African-American history while I was in school and really picked their brain and explained my situation. And they really um, gave me some really great insight um, to really understanding, uh, you know, the history of Black people here in America and um, helping me connect with that. Now, in terms of going to my white dad and that experience, what was very unique was as we got older, it actually turned into not even like, oh, your, your dad's white, and what's that about, and, you, and your dad's so selfless. I actually kind of turned into like this whole, like, is that your sugar daddy? Is that your man? Especially, you know, I'm 18, so, you know, mature. Um, and we actually, it just got to the point where my dad couldn't, didn't even feel comfortable like taking me shopping anymore, um, which was our thing. Like we used to have dad-daughter dates. And we couldn't really even do that anymore because I was like, when I was 18, it just people would assume like he was like my sugar daddy. And it just was like, I was really rude. And like my dad, used to, I, the face I'm making now, I used to make to people in the store, like, how dare you ask? And my dad, even a, like after a while, like he didn't even feel comfortable, like giving me a, a hug in front of people because he didn't want, I don't know if it was like he was uncomfortable or he, or he didn't want me to be embarrassed or feel uncomfortable, but we used to have conversations and I used to just tell him like, you're my dad, like you know, I love you. I don't want you to feel like you can't hug me. But then, yeah, like people started like viewing it like some like fetish thing. Like, I'm like, that's my dad. Like, (laughs) I used to change my diapers. And now you like, we couldn't even like go to the store. It'd be awkward. It wasn't until actually I had a boyfriend, he's black. And then people were like, oh, that's your dad, you know? And because my hair is the texture it is and if I haven't had my tan yet, maybe <laughs> like she's biracial. I am biracial, but they might assume I'm black and white. So, and mind you, if you see my brothers, they're uh, white and Filipino. Um, we're just a very uh, mixed family. So, um, yeah, but it, I, I think in that circumstance, where it's like, say, my black boyfriend and myself, and then my brothers and my dad, then it made more sense. Like, oh, that's her dad. But if it was just my dad and I like doing anything, it was very much like, it, yeah, like it just, it couldn't even be like a father daughter thing, like after a while. So, you know, as I wrap this video up, you know, I don't necessarily have identity issues. I'm very much connected um, to, to both, both races, like my black and Asian side. Um, I think my unique experience has helped me. I, I see and understand how white people, if you, it's like kind of, if you don't know what you, you don't, if you don't know what you know, you know, if you don't know it, I understand why they say the things that they say. But what I will say is you really have to be very open-minded and emotionally intelligent to really understand the concepts of racism prejudice and discrimination from, and I'm saying this just from my own experience and just having a dad who's white to be receptive. So like, for example, when I told my dad, I got called the N word and explaining that to him, you know, while he does not know what it's like to be a person of color, but just hearing the pain and hearing what I was explaining to him, uh, it allowed him to understand, wow, I can see why you want to speak up against these kind of issues. And then as your father, if my child is hurting, 
I need to be against those issues as well. And so that's why I say, um, yeah, I think to have these conversations, you definitely have to be open-minded and think about it, not from your perspective, remove yourself. If you really think about it very objectively, and here we go, so please understand, okay? So please understand that, okay, (laughs) that it's not about you. And so it's really kind of just learning to be empathetic and be open-minded and receptive to the things that people are telling you and that you really can learn something. And so that's kind of what I want to leave. Really, that's the whole message of this video. Outside of just sharing my experience of growing up with a white dad, it was like I can still share my experiences of racism and prejudice and all the things that I experienced as being a woman of color here in America with my father, but he still be receptive and supportive and be my ally in in this fight, okay? So I just want to put that out there that I'm not coming to you as like just oh, here, you know, like some people are like, oh, here comes this person of color complaining, or here we go, talking about their experience of racism. I'm talking about it, but in a way that how I had to have these conversations with a white person who was from the baby boomer generation, okay? Uh, So his understanding of racism is, you know, it just, it wasn't where it needed to be, to be raising a child who was of who was black like it just wasn't or uh who was also a minority so i there was a lot of education happening um not only is he my father and in, in raising me as his child i'm also educating him and making him a better parent and not only just a better parent but a better person who's able to interact with other people and so that's why i really want to share this story and get my story out there about this because I mean, it really is possible that if people can really kind of remove themselves and really just look at things very objectively, mind you, my dad was a computer programmer. So like seeing things like black and white, (laughs) very, very, seeing things very objective is something um, I feel like he's really good at. Um, So it, it made it easier to have these conversations because it's real thing about it. It's not about you. So please understand and hear what I'm saying. And let's have a productive conversation about it.